Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to talk about your trip to Buffalo? Oh, man, do I? <laughs> and maybe some role-playing stuff, too. We should probably do that, too. Cue music. And welcome to another fine episode of Pants Talking Games. I am your host who lives in Buffalo, Phil. And I am your other host who visited Buffalo, Senda. You did. Yeah, did I do it right? That's I good. You like picked it. You picked right. right up on it. Excellent. <laughs> cool. Hey, um, so today on the show, we're going to talk about Senda's trip to Buffalo. Um, just a little bit of non-gaming stuff, just kind of other stuff we did Um while you were here in Buffalo, but um, we're going to focus a chunk of our talk about um, the one-on-one thirsty sword, thirsty sword lesbian game that we are um, that we did a session zero for. Yes, we're going to actually talk about session zero for um, a one-on-one game and kind of like what was the same, what was different, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do all of that, uh, but first we're going to do something impromptu. <laughs> Um, which we talked about and then didn't talk about before we started recording. Great. So right now we're going to figure this out. Sure. Um, this episode drops on the 13th of December. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we need to go on um, a little bit of a holiday hiatus um, as it is the end of the year and we like to take a little time off. So I'm looking and for sure I can tell you two Mondays I'm not planning on us being on the air. Yeah. The 20th and the 27th. Then make it three because the third would be the other one. Right. And the third. Unless because you, the third would require us to record on New Year's Day. Yeah, we're not recording on New Year's Day. No. Um, the, so okay, I, I th- potentially we could just do two. This is impromptu, folks, as we said, because we forgot to actually sort this out before we started recording. But this is kind of a chit-chat episode. That's just sort of what happened. Um, so bear with us. We could do the 20th. Do you want to do the 20th and just take the 27th and the 3rd off? Okay. Let's do that. Okay. Okay. So you're going to get this episode today on the 13th. You're listening to it right now. If you're listening to it on the day dropped, this is December 13th. There will be an episode next week. That will be December 20th. Mm-hmm. Then there will not be an episode until January 10th. Yes. Yep. When our when our first 2022 episode um, will air, we'll talk about the holidays and all that stuff. Yep. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So we're on today. We'll be on next week, and we'll remind you next week that we're going on holiday hiatus. Yeah. Yep. And we're just taking a short one. Yep. We're just taking a couple weeks there. Okay. Okay. Good. All right. That little bit of business out of the way. Um, you. Came to Buffalo. I did. I came to Buffalo. Cool. Last week. So I think what we're gonna, I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about briefly some highlights, uh, like non-gaming highlights for being in Buffalo, and then um, we'll focus our attention to the Thirsty Sword Lesbian um, session zero. Yeah, because that's that's probably the thing that other people are particularly interested in hearing. I mean, if you're here for the gaming podcast, we should talk about the gaming part. (laughs) But first, we'll get out of the way some of the non-gaming stuff so uh let's just go like we kick back and forth right so yeah um 
tell me a highlight, and then I'll tell you a highlight. Yeah. Um, well, my birthday in November was a complete and utter disaster in pretty much every possible way, from having to move this trip initially um, and not being able to schedule my normal birthday LARP to being sick over my birthday, non-COVID, but sick, um, and um, having to cancel all of the other plans that I had made for my birthday, like going back to Meow Wolf and stuff. Um, so while I was out in Buffalo, um, we did like mini birthday take two. That was we good. We did. That was... We did. You bought me cake. <laughs> I took you to I, I took you to a very good place in Buffalo to get you. Yeah, where they do cake by the slice. Very fancy cakes and you can say, I want a slice of that and it was uh very good. Yeah, I had the Oreo cheesecake and it was uh, it was pretty righteous it actually. Was very good. I took a taste of that and it was amazing. And I would have been able to eat like maybe a third of that piece. Like it would have murdered my um my, you know, slightly in dairy intolerant self. <laughs> I, I usually pretend I'm not dairy intolerant, but there are certain things I know will kill me. Um, cheesecake is one of them. Milk first thing in the morning is another one, you know, that kind of thing. But it was, yeah, it was really, very really good. I had chocolate cake with mint whipped mousse between the layers and a ganache draped over the top. That was really good. <laughs> For those people who are local to Buffalo, we're talking about the dessert deli. It was very good. Um, out on out on Maple. Um, I've been a fan for many years. I've been to the dessert deli many, many times. In non-COVID times, just down the plaza is a really good sushi place. And so sometimes that would be a combo is to like go get sushi, leave a little room, walk up the plaza, and get a slice of cake. Heck yeah. I mean, I could see that being really delightful. Andy and I always used to get sushi and then walk over to the gelato place, but the pandemic killed the gelato place, which is super sad. Yeah, luckily both the sushi place and the um, and the dessert deli are intact. I just am not sitting down in restaurants to nope. eat. So I'm that's not why either. I that's why I haven't gotten there for sushi. Anyway, okay, cool. Um, I'll pick a highlight mm-hmm. um, along the culinary lines as well. Um, Sunday, we did uh, one of my favorite brunches, which is um, scallion pancakes and pot stickers. It is actually a thing I started doing during the pandemic and do it once a month um, on Sundays. So you were here on a Sunday and I was like, I'm making scallion pancakes. It was delicious. Um, You actually pitched in. You pitched in and actually cut up the scallions. I mean, if Um, you call that pitching in, I've hardly. It was pitching in. You cut up the scallions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, I like I, you know, cooked the rest of it. Not that it was like super hard, but anyway, um, team effort on the scallion pancakes and pot stickers, which um, I just like I love that. Um, I love that recipe and I would make it every Sunday for brunch, which is why I don't um, just to force me to make other stuff like to try other stuff. Right. So uh, once a month, I um, once a month I make homemade scallion pancakes because i have learned you can also get scallion pancakes from trader joe's those are also delicious by the way but i use a recipe that you sent to me i think from bon appetit yep (laughs) for scallion pancakes they're delicious and then um the pot stickers i have over the like over the pandemic Uh, i used to just cook them in the pan like more traditionally with you know like first sear them then pour the water water in yep right but i've gotten lazy um, and I like them kind of crispy, so I've been cooking them in the air fryer. And I'm sure that's 
probably heretical, but like they're still pretty yummy. Mm-hmm. Um, they come out crispy on the edges. They still are kind of soft in the middle, which I I forgot about. So I'm pretty okay with that. And they cook really quickly. Like and you just throw them in, you spray them with a little canola oil, set the thing for nine minutes and walk away. Yeah. I was like, and you just don't have to think about it, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. Next one. We also got a Christmas tree set up for you. Yeah. I was not like prepared. This is my first, um, my first Christmas in the apartment um, and was not um, equipped with Christmas tree. Now you are equipped. I am. Um, and I'm glad because I was almost going to not get one. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like I was like, well, like, you know, I'm going to go over to my I'm going to go over to my exes for um, Christmas to have it with the kids. So like, do I really need a Christmas tree? Like whatever. And then um, you convinced me that, yes, you do. <laughs> I need a Christmas tree. And then once we put it up, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I needed a Christmas tree. I really love Christmas. And I was just going to kind of um, forego it, um, forego the Christmas tree. But in retrospect, lighting up the Christmas tree and like sitting in front of it um, in the evening um, is still uh, very enjoyable. Like I just have my cup of tea and do some reading. Uh, in the living room and really enjoy it. So cool. Thanks for talking me into that. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, I will name another thing, um, which is we did one of your favorite activities, (laughs) uh, non-gaming activities, uh, which was thrifting. We did. I love. So I did that this morning too. That's why we're recording late. (laughs) Oh, I remember I was talking to you while I was working. Um, but yeah, we did some thrifting. We hit some thrift shops. Um, I needed a few things for the kitchen, um, of which I did okay on. Um, I could use some more ramekins for making um, like French onion soup and stuff, but I did get a casserole dish. That was important to me. Um, I needed a, um, a um, corningware uh, casserole dish, and I got one. I could use one or two more, but I, I'll work on that. Like future thrifting will see what i can uh yield but the real cool find was um the real cool find was we were in uh one of the stores and we found this large right like i forget the exact dimensions of it it's like 11 by 17 i think no i think it's bigger are you talking about the things we hung in the dining room yeah yeah i think they're 11 by oh no they're probably 17 by what's that standard poster size Yeah, yeah yeah Exactly. Anyway, um, so we found one for Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And it was like on on wood. Like it was, it was like, like a, a poster that was. Yeah. Yeah, like a plaque kind of thing. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm definitely getting this. And then we went around the corner and in a different spot, we found the Return of the Jedi yeah. one. And I was like, well, I got to get both of these. And then we searched the rest of the store, but there was not one for A New Hope. Right. I think which, someone had probably, if they were going to buy a single one, they probably got that one. Yeah, so the New Hope one disappeared, um, which I was sad about because I would have liked to have a th- like all three, but also I was like I can I can work with I can work with two, right? Like that's fine. I'll just put up these posters of Empire and Jedi. Yeah. Um, so we hung those up in in my living room, um, or I'm sorry, dining room, um, and those were cool finds. Like th- that's the fun of thrifting, right? The, the fun of thrifting is you never know. 
what you're going to stumble onto. Yeah, it's, you just kind of have to be open. You have to and just receptive. be open, open to what the universe sends to you. Like this morning, I went to the thrift store um, just to see if I could get my kiddo a decent coat, since I basically rent him clothing from Goodwill at this point because he's like growing so freaking fast and like his. You know, there's like yeah. By the time you buy it, you're just getting rid <laughs> right, of it. Right, there's like three or four inches of wrist bone suddenly sticking out of his winter coat. So I was like, "Well, let me just stick my head in and see what I find." Did I find a winter coat? No, I definitely did not find a winter coat. Um, did I find a bunch of cookie tins to pack Christmas cookies in and um, a, a fantastic glass? Um, to go tea infuser for loose leaf tea? Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> But that's just thrifting, right? Like you just got to be open to whatever, you know. Yeah, I mean it. it, it it's what the universe provides. Yeah. Like that's the. Sometimes the universe just sees you and says, "You didn't know you needed this, but you do." Exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, so that was cool. Like that was a nice. Like those were nice finds. Um, the other handful of stuff I got was pretty good. Also on there, I'm just going to name because I'm just going to predict. Your yeah, next one I think based you are. On the thrifting. <laughs> I'll just give it to you if you already. Um, Yeah, we also so we went thrift shopping and then Senda went real shopping, um, which was just in the middle of the day. There is a delightful place that I can now highly recommend if you are at all into vintage and vintage reproduction clothing, which I know is a me thing and doesn't necessarily overlap with the podcast or the audience for this podcast. But heck, if you are, if you want cute dresses, if you're in the Buffalo area um, or cute. just vintage stuff of, of kind of all stripes. Um, there is a fantastic little shop called Cats Like Us. Um, they were so kind and they have so many good things. And I got to try on a bunch of brands that I've only been able to purchase or look at online before. Um, and it was a delightful. <laughs> it, it was a really nice store. Very good. And I was very happy that I had set a budget before I walked in. And I stuck to it and everything was okay, but I did get, um, I got a vintage reproduction dress, um, which is very cute and I love very much. And then I got, um, several actual vintage, uh, scarves in silk and satins, um, and, um, fur hair and, you know, tie her neck and stuff like that. Um, and then I also got this really lovely, um, brooch that is like pale blue, um, Aurora Borealis beads, which is really vintage. It's a really vintage look. Like you just don't usually see in modern stuff anymore. Um, and it's super cute. And I got it to wear with my snowflake poodle skirt. that's also light blue. And I'm very excited for that to be my holiday combo for this year. Um, cause it's very wintry and not super, um, what am I looking for? Not super specifically any holiday, which is great. No, 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 It's no. just it, like it, snow. I, um, and I love it. Uh, and so I'm very excited to just like combo that up as my like holiday look for the year. <laughs> yeah, very good. Anyway, very good. I love that place. It was awesome. If you're not in Buffalo, you can shop their website also. And they have done some um, really amazing things with like, they measure all of the stuff that they get in. um, So they they can just give you the measurements online, which is so nice because when you're ordering all of this stuff from the UK, if you're me, um, then uh, sometimes it's very difficult to tell because they will tell you across the board that a UK size 14 is a US size 10, for example. Um, 
But then that actual UK 14, like the waist sizes can vary on those by um, really about three inches, which is a pretty big difference um, size wise between fitting and not fitting. Um, so it can be difficult to tell. Um, and sometimes a brand will be pretty reliable once you figure it out. And sometimes they'll vary even by, you know, within the brand just by actual cut of thing, which I've encountered with some as well. Um, and sometimes you've ordered something from London and it's more expensive to ship it back than to just keep it <laughs> at that point. Um, so anyway, so, uh, yeah, cats like us. Check them out. That's that is my like my us. personal special advertisement for them because they were very lovely people, um, and it's a, a cute little local business. And um, I want them to stick around because I really enjoyed my shopping experience. So if you feel like supporting vintage clothing stuff, you should check them out. Cool. Yeah, I you, you nailed it right on the head there. Like that's it right there. Yeah, fantastic. They were great. They were really. Great. They were very cool, and the store was very cool. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. It was like I walked in, and it was like that Kate in a candy shop moment, which is good because in the car on the way there, I was like, "Okay, here's my budget." <laughs> and then we walked in, and I went, "Ooh!" And I like had to look at all the dresses, and like, "Oh my gosh, it's collective! It's 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 you know, um, Hell Bunny, and it's you know, Miss Lulu that I haven't even been able to try on before ever, and I don't know how it fits, and like, oh, it was, um." It was pretty exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm really. I was really glad that we um, we got to go. That was actually Chris who reminded it us was that a that good place call. was there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I will take no credit for that. Chris picked it out. I did remember that you we remembered should go. that like a, we should go, and that it was open that day. That that was the day that we should go. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, we definitely should go do this. And I was like, hey, do you want to do this? And you were oh like, oh my god, do yes. I? <laughs> anyway, it was a dumb question. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, does that is do you have anything else that you want to add to trip highlights? No, or should we should we no, I think that's good. Yeah. Let's cut over to let's cut over to talking game stuff now. Thanks for thanks for indulging us to talk about just the generalities. I think there's a certain number of people who like to just kind of know what we're up to. Yeah, I think that's that's um, fine. <laughs> but let's let's turn it on to let's turn it on to gaming and let's first let's talk about I mean I'm gonna set this all up and then we'll talk about the um we'll talk about the session zero. So um, we have for a long time, we've wanted to play a one-on-one -on -one game together, uh, ever since we kind of messed around with the, um, the little bit of actual play we did a few years ago on the show. And we've talked about this before. We've talked about one-on-one -on -one play and stuff like that. So that was the thing we wanted to do. And we were like, you know what? We should just like, we need to do this. Like we need to do this. We said we wanted to do it. Um, we have time in our schedules. Let's, let's do this. So we agreed to do it and thought that was cool. And then, um, you know, we we talked about what to play. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, for a number of reasons, I think we talked about this before. I was very sure I wanted to do PBTA. Um, combat scales very well in PBTA. Um, failure, so six minus rolls and things like that, uh, leave a lot of latitude. Um, I don't have to do damage to make things more interesting and more complicated. It gives you like, a lot of latitude to manage the fact that it's just me as a exactly, PC, which right? I think I've, is important. Yeah, so I have a, like I have a lot of latitude in keeping the game going, yeah. kind of thing. So I was like very much for a fan of that. And then what we picked for a setting was um, so for a game we settled on Thirsty Sword Lesbians because by theme, um, because, it was something you yeah, yes, very much wanted to play. 
Yes, swashbuckling. Queer disasters. Uh, yes, I mean, we're here for all of not these that things. I haven't played this game before, but it was a one shot. So like, um, I'm pretty into, uh, you know, a little bit of long term play to develop actual um, more, you know, relationship style stuff while still having much swashbuckling. Many of the buckle swashings. Yes. yes. So, yeah. So, so TSL was TSL was our choice. Thought it was a very good, solid choice. Um, uh, I liked it as well. And um, instead of doing one of the settings that was in the books or one of the ones that's coming out um, in the um, or came out, because I think the PDF's out. It's only the print. Yeah, they're doing the Kickstarter for the they did the Kickstarter for advanced lesbian lovers and lesbians for the print. Yes. But yeah, I do have the PDF for that. Yeah, so we we forego we forewent. <laughs> I don't know. We skipped over those, and um, we we decided to use a setting that we had developed for a game that we were messing around with that never really gelled. Um, called "Long Live the Queen," um, which is based on this short story called Mozart and Mirror Shades, and it's about um, this company, this corporation that travels back in time. Um, to basically loot a parallel timeline of its resources to maintain its utopia. Mm-hmm. Um, and we decided that it would be fun to just set that um, that time period in Musketeer um, France and that this thing happens where um, because of the arrival of this company, um, there's no prime directive for these guys. So they just inject the place full of technology and full of new ideas and so Paris becomes this kind of more metropolitan and progressive and queer city with people who still wear period style clothing, but have cell phones that are like rubbing shoulders with people who are wearing suits. Um, some people are riding horseback. Some people have cars like it's it's all over the place. Um, it's this very um, mishmash of um, period style plus contemporary, which on one hand is good because I'm not great on history. So it allows me to kind of break all the rules of history because I don't really have to keep anything. Yeah, you don't have to keep track um, of anything at all. Right. Like I can just, you know, that's that's a, you know, period ball gown. That's an Armani suit. Like it's perfectly fine. Yeah. Like these now all mingle together. And on top of that, we wanted it to be very progressive and queer. And so while this corporation um, are definitely the bad guys because they're here to plunder resources. They're also progressive. And so they introduced um, the idea of normalizing um, queer relationships and um, being, you know, and, and breaking down racism and all of that stuff. And so Paris is this like really um, fantastic um, like new melting pot of like, cause people from around the world are now coming to Paris to talk to this corporation, unbeknownst that they're the bad guys, that kind of thing. Unbeknownst, except for Queen Anne, who does not believe that this corporation Kronos has their best in the best intentions for this timeline. And so her personal musketeers, the queen's musketeers um, are um, carrying out spying sabotage and things like that against Kronos. I think we should add one more important fact into this because it's one part that makes this really interesting. So when Kronos comes in, the people who work for Kronos do not understand that this timeline will continue to exist 
once they leave. Yes. So they are, the, even their employees don't actually know that they're basically like raising a timeline um, and setting fire to it and then dumping it and leaving these people to live in that like stripped situation where their their timeline, like their earth in that timeline no longer has any resources for them to progress, right? They So yeah. they don't know that. So they are coming in. Um, it, it A, it doesn't matter that to them at all that they change the timeline because I don't believe that it will continue to exist. And B, like probably a lot of the people that work for this corporation believe that they're doing good. Yeah, on top of that, um, and this is just a little caveat, the energy it takes to open the portal between what's called real time and these and these shunts uh, is actually like a lot of energy. So um, it only gets opened a few times in the 20 years yeah. that Kronos stays in the timeline. So the thing is, Kronos is here. They're manufacturing cell phones, computers. They've installed plumbing. They've done this stuff. The rank and file of Kronos thinks that they're actually helping these people temporarily mm -hmm. and then think that when they leave the this timeline will cease to exist the shunt will Just like dissolve because they're not there and it'll be fine but that's not true yeah like, so like that's, that's not what happens. i feel like that's key information um just about yeah. the actual corporation yeah chronos's higher level executives know what they're doing yeah like, those are the people who are making the decision yeah. to leave these timelines in shambles behind them. And by plunder resources, what we mean is like when Kronos shows up, Kronos like extends, um, like Kronos comes in and, and like, you know, arrives in France and tells the King of France, like, Hey, listen, like, um, we have medicine, we have plumbing, engineering, things like that. We're going to help modernize you. All we want is that oil stuff that's in the ground that you're not using because this is the 1600s. Yeah. So they're just like, do you mind if we, we just, just take like, that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would you mind if like we also like mined some of these like weird rare earth minerals, mm -hmm. like things that are used for computers and yeah. cell phones and Lithium stuff like that? And yeah. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, these rulers are like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Whatever. That would be We're not using that would be them. Fantastic. Yeah. So anyway, so the so the backdrop of this is that like Kronos is you know clearly the bad guys, but the king and his court are most are, have been won over by Kronos's technology, money, fashion, all of that stuff, um, and the queen Queen Anne is a little more shrewd and is like I don't think this is all on the level like so she uses her musketeers who she um, trains in secret. Um, with some of her allies to be, um, to be her spies, her saboteurs, and things like that. So that's uh, that's our backdrop. And if we're doing our Jason Pitt thing, that's our setting. Our situation is that your character is a musketeer, and will go on various missions. Yeah. Um, for uh, the Queen, Country, and Timeline, I think is our little tagline for the yeah. game, right? Queen, Country, and Something Timeline. Something like that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay, so on to on to that. We had a setting, and again, we were messing around with this. If you've heard us before, followed you know through our backlog, we've been messing with this as a fate game, and we were trying to do a bunch of um, like different things with it, a little more mechanized. But we decided for TSL, we could we could streamline that out. TSLs got a very different feel from what we were originally going for. We we're going for kind of a hard espionage hard sci-fi thing yeah. but here we're going for Lean. we're going for queer disaster with swords. queer disaster swashbuckle that's where we're going yeah and, hard. And the rules, <laughs> yeah and the rules for tsl 
have all that baked in. So all I did was look at their, uh, look at the format for how to make a setting, took our setting notes and made the setting. So I made a number of interesting people and I made a couple of custom moves for the, um, for the setting, wrote a little background and bing, bang, boom, we're, we're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we did all that. We sat down to have our session zero. Um, so we knew our, we knew our setting, we knew our situation. Um, subtext we'll work on. The game, of course, has its own subtext. Um, the game has its own subtext. We will probably develop some themes and subtext as we play the adventures about um, love, technology, queerness, things like that. Um, I, I don't have an agenda for those. I'm just going to let those kind of um, percolate. Mm-hmm. Like as they come up and play, maybe I'll grab something and run with it kind of thing. Uh, system, we already knew. Um, system, we're going to do um, Thirsty Sword Lesbians. So that's the Jason Pitt four. That's the, um, I call them four pillars. I forget. He has another name for them. Um, but that's what I like to call them. That's the the <laughs> so pit that's, pillars. <laughs> yeah, pit pillars. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So with that, we sat down to do our session zero. And the focus of our session zero was going to be um, character gen and kind of getting our initial ideas together. Um, we did not in our session zero do a safety talk yet. We'll do that before we play. Um, but you and I have played a whole bunch of games together. Um, I know most of your um, I know most of your lines and veils. Uh, we'll run through them before we play to make sure. Um, and I know because we're going to be playing primarily online, unless we're together for any reason, um, that our consent um, tool, which will be uh, the OK check-in, yeah, which Although, is our preferred, um, is one of our preferred tools. Yeah, and I really like that. Um, but the other thing that is frankly something about playing one-on-one um, that I think makes safety potentially easier i will say potentially because you know one-on-one can be more intense too um so it has more potential pitfalls um but the thing that i will say about safety with one-on-one is i think that there's like no outside pressure from anyone else sitting at the table um who's having fun there's just you and the other person um so it is also easier to have mid-game conversations or to um throw up an out of character flag or something like that and be like okay hang on a second where are we going with this so no and we're not and we're not strangers to one another like we can easily have those talks but uh, you know as always like something in there yeah always no we're always good about safety um we'll put our safe we'll we'll have a safety discussion briefly before we start our first game um just to dot our i's cross our t's Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because it is a thing. No, no, it's um, and 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 I, you know, and I, I think it's important to say that like one on one, yes, you're you're without those social pressure. But I think the other piece of that to keep in mind is it's one on one between the two of us, um, and we are really good friends. We have known each other for a long time, so there is a lot of trust and comfort. If we were two people who were just playing, yeah, um, it would be it would be very different. Yeah. Um, and but, like, yeah, if you were sitting down at a convention, sometimes that's like that. That's a lot more intense. Um, but it is it. I, I feel very comfortable, like walking into this that I will be able to say Meh, if something happens because I know you really well. And, you know. Yeah. And I mean, likewise, I, you know, over the years, I've known you well enough that like, I know, I know what I'm not. I already know what I'm not putting. In yeah. Game. Like. I already, like I'm very comfortable. I know what I'm not putting in the game. Nevertheless, we're still going to have again, it. Yeah, 
We're still going to just talk through it. It will be abbreviated for all the reasons that we just said. Okay. Anyway, so we focused on character gen and idea gen. Yeah. Um, Because we really, so this is two parts, right? One, we need a character. uh, And we'll talk about that in a second. But the other thing I needed was to make sure that when, and and this is to me is always a big part of um, session zero, is I needed to come out of this with some idea of what I could draw upon for the game. Now, I had the setting material that I'd written up, so I knew I had that to draw upon. Um, I even have an intro adventure because we're just going to test TSL. We're going to modify an intro adventure we use for playtesting. So I have that. But I also needed, like, who else is part of this game? Because when um, when I'm playing a game with a full group, uh, by the time we finish character gen, I have four or so characters yep right um and if even and if even if they each have one npc that they define during character gen i now have like eight yeah i have characters and npcs to draw upon i knew that was going to be an issue with us and i improvised a little something which we'll talk about but i needed to come out of the session with more than just your character, because your character wasn't really going to be quite I, no she enough material for me to pull together. Yeah, I mean she she needs to have ways to interact with the world around her and touch exactly points, yeah. and people in which. To <clears throat> All right, so let's talk about character yeah. gen. Um, tell me, tell me, tell everybody, <laughs> um, tell me how you arrived at the playbook that you selected and the challenges um, that you think might be unique for playing one-on-one when we talk about how like how to pick a playbook. Yeah, it's interesting. So when we sat down, um, you know, I, there, there were a stack of playbooks and I did what I kind of always do with playbooks, which is I just went, oh, that one looks interesting for, you know, like I can imagine how I might play that in this scenario. So I'm just going to, you know, pull it aside and then that one doesn't really work for me not really interested in that type of storyline, et cetera, right? Like, so sorted them out to interested, not interested. I ended up with, I think, four that we talked about. Um, and then we we actually literally just sat there and went, okay, if I played this character, what does that look like? What story are we telling? Since this is the only story that we're telling, right? Yep. Um, and what actually ended up happening is that I ended up discarding three of those basically because... They were characters that I would probably be very interested in playing in a group in which there were multiple storylines, but I was not necessarily interested in playing those as the only storyline, especially because they were potentially somewhat at odds with our goal of swashbuckling-ness, right? Like the swashbuckling part is important. I would like to be able to... And the spying part. And the spying. Like, like, I want to be able to buckle my swashes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to be clear, every character in... Um, TSL can swash. Oh yeah, and they could, and and honestly, any of the any of the playbooks that I pulled out, and any of the playbooks like that were there would have worked. So this was entirely about what kind of story did I want to play, and what kind of um, sort of personality was I interested in portraying. Especially given that it's just going to be me and a bunch of NPCs. Um, so we're you know there were some that I did put aside because I was like this would be really interesting in a group. Um, mm-hmm. where I could rely on other player characters to draw me out um, and then allow myself to be drawn out. But as like a single a single player point person, I'm going to have some difficulty 
playing the style of game that I want to play, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of was the conversation that we had. We went through them and really did talk about like, you know, if this is the playbook that I played, what, what, you know, what would we do for right? Stories? How does this translate? What? And then with that translation to this timeline and this setting, um, what does that make the story feel like? And um, yeah, so I ended up and it's really funny. So I ended up settling on the devoted, um, which is like, on the one hand, the most obvious choice, but on the other hand, does exactly what we were thinking about. And when we just started discussing yeah. this story, right? Um, so I am playing the devoted, um, which is uh, sort of in D and D terms, you might say paladin, but that's not really quite what it is. They are a selfless protector committed to a person or a cause. Um, yes. And so that's that's fun. And then the themes that go with that are um, that um, devotion versus self care. Um, which is interesting and has a lot to do then with like pushing through things. Yeah. Would you mind reading the little blurb? Yeah. For people who aren't familiar with yeah. the game, because there's a little blurb on the playbook that kind of tells you that's, what. That's what yeah. I was basically. I, think you were I was close. summarizing yeah. it, but it is the yeah. devoted is a selfless protector committed to a person or a cause. Their central conflict lies in pitting this devotion against their self care. So. Yeah. So you are you have you have loves. I do. Um, you have a duty, and um, and you need to like balance those also with your own self care. Which we ultimately were like, those are going to be really easy. Yeah. Um, those are going to be really easy themes to to play through. Yeah. In in this game. Yeah. In the it, you know now, you're a hundred percent correct. Any of the other playbooks would have also worked for this setting. Um, they would have like what you would have done in a solo game would have been slightly different. Yeah, right? we because I I was very interested in I I don't remember hmm, I don't remember the name of it now. Um, but the chosen I think it, not, not the, the chosen. chosen that was one of the ones that nope. I had set aside. But I'm thinking about. Uh, I know. Yeah, I, it's, it's my gone. Mind too. Um, but it's a it's a playbook that is um, basically for coming out of a really conservative space into a more progressive space and about that um, tug of war between like tradition and self-expression. Um, it is the seeker. the seeker. I'm holding it. That Ready? One. The seeker comes from a toxic society and has found a new community in which to belong and grow. Their central conflict pits tradition and upbringing against justice and developing their personal values. Yeah. So I like, we, we talked through that one pretty hard. Um, cause that was a very interesting one for me too. But then basically what it kind of came down to is the back. I was even really interested in kind of like the backstory generation that we started talking through about how that particular playbook would work in this setting for this game that we were talking about. Um, uh, but what it kind of came down to was the central conflict on that one. I was less interested in playing as a solo player specifically. Right. And yep. if that's where it's really interesting, if I were sitting down at a table with even one other person playing a PC, that's probably the playbook I would have gone with. Um, yep. But I am not sure that I was interested in that being the only story that was happening on the table with a PC. So, yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's a big consideration when you're playing one on one is that sometimes classes, playbooks, et cetera, don't exactly work without others to like with others present yeah. um, or, or may and, not and it's work why into the story that you would like to tell without others present That'd sure be, yeah sure 
So I, you know, it was good. Like it was good. We had a lot of talk about that character. Cause I was like, okay, if you're thinking about this character, here are the kinds of like things I am thinking go into the story that we're going to tell. Right. And, um, and we talked about it, right. We went through and we were like, I, it would have been totally workable. Yeah. But when you were like, mm, I don't think that's what I want to do. And I was like, cool. Okay. That's not a problem. Yeah. Like it's not going to upend the setting the game or anything. And then um, you had already had the yeah, Devoted. Yeah, the Devoted the was like the next one. It, it was down yeah. to between the Devoted and the Seeker at that point, I think. Because we had, exactly. we had uh, I think the four that I actually had stacked up were the Devoted, the Seeker, the Chosen, and the one... The, the Trickster. No, 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 no. The one who had gone from evil to good. Oh, right. I right, also right, don't right. remember the name of that play. <laughs> I'll see if I can find that one. <laughs> like the 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 re- redeemed, maybe? the. I have the other. I'm holding the pile right here. <laughs> trickster. The, um, the trickster was no, the one I was the, like, I would be. The infamous. The infamous. I was like, the trickster is the one that I'm really interested in potentially having show up in the game. Yeah, I had some cool ideas for how the infamous gets into the game. I had a lot harder pop. Um, the harder part for it was this game is about espionage, and it was like this, the infamous is like known yes. for like, I, which is why I think that was the first one that I pulled out because I was like, this is really fighting against the specific story that we want to tell. Um, yeah, it was like it would have been more conspicuous when we wanted to be a little more like spy-like. Yes. Um, which is okay. Like we, you know, we just kind of worked through it and, you know, we had those discussions. So that was the first, the first part of our session zero was really talking about, um, just choosing the playbook because choosing the playbook was going to have a lot to do with, um, the kind of story we would be telling the way we would be playing because, um, while everybody has access to the basic moves, um, as you know, if you've played a PBTA game, uh, each uh, playbook gives you access to very specific moves for that playbook, which then in a one-on-one game very heavily influences how the game is to be yes. played. Okay. So that was cool. So anyway, so we did the first part, which was we we worked through picking out the playbook in, in terms of how will this work in the game. And then uh, we actually went through the process of making the character by following the steps yes, in the book. Yes, very straightforward. It's so a we, PBTA we playbook. You circle things, you make decisions. Life is good. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that part was pretty easy. Um, we had to do one modification. This is where we get into like where we modified the game a bit. Um, so one of the activities in the game is what's called strings, where the players sit around. Um, they kind of um, figure out how they all link together. And then based on how much um, emotional investment, give a certain number of strings on their character to that player. And those strings can later be used to help or hinder, um, help or hinder a player based on some of the moves. So we didn't have any other players. We didn't have any other characters, (laughs) any other players to draw upon. So that is when um, I kind of was like, okay, I think we need to make up um, a couple of index card, uh, like, depth <laughs> index card depth we didn't need to make playbooks out of them but we need to make three more characters yep right to kind of quote make this a party of yeah. four not that you're good, not, not that they're all going to be doing stuff no, with probably you, not but, but yeah. they need to be the other they're the other um if you are the main character they are the secondary characters in the yes. story yeah and then there'll be some tertiary characters etc yeah. okay 
So we did. We um we sat down and we patterned um two of them. We pa- I patterned two of them right off playbooks. Yep. Yeah. So we actually defined who the chosen was. Um yes. and that so we so we did the chosen and then we took the nature witch and kind of flipped it around to make it the techno yeah, the witch, spooky witch. Which the they, spooky witch. I'm sorry. The spooky witch. Okay. I thought it was the There's nature two witch, witches. But there are two witches. We flipped yeah, one of them like they the, say to do in the yeah. rule book to make a tech um, to make a techno uh techno witch, which was good because we wanted some that way now I have somebody who is um really tech savvy to be that good support character. Yeah, I have my very own right. like Cowboy Bebop Ed. You have Ed, <laughs> yeah, you have Ed, Q, like all of yeah. those things. Um so that was good. So and then we made them, we named them. Uh, we used my short order hero cards to give them uh, three personality traits each at random. Uh, that was good. So we did that. Um, and then the third character we made was actually um, a guy who, um, I believe background-wise, you uh, pulled out of prison and the king gave him, the queen convinced the king to get him a job at Kronos and he is kind of like your inside man at Kronos and he's not super thrilled about Mm -hmm. it. Um, but he, you know, would either be in jail or dead if if, he wasn't. um, Yeah. yeah. So he is, he is, he is by espionage terms. He is an asset that you are managing. I Um, love the the descriptors we ended up with for him because we just drew the character generation descriptors were bookish, slow, and expendable, which just tells a story, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it 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 doesn't it doesn't paint a good um, picture for this guy. Um, So yeah, so we have two more of the Queen's Musketeers, um, the Chosen, who you have a little bit of a love rivalry with. Yeah, I do. We built a little love triangle around the Queen Mm -hmm. um, with the Chosen, which was good. Um, and then our techno witch is um, your like other support character who's um, you know who works with you, helps you out, does her own things as well. And then we have this asset that you're running, yeah. um, which we haven't talked about if you're romantically entangled with this asset. But in true disaster pan style, I think probably you are. we'll get there. Probably right, <laughs> yeah. Um, so so that gave us the ability for you. Um, to um figure out what strings to like to have on them to have strings on someone yeah and since they're since they're npcs and they don't roll like i don't roll for anything i did not like put i did not make you commit strings to them like they will want stuff from you but that just gets role played um and that's fine um i was very okay with that but what it gave us was we I had a list of NPCs that were kind of more major NPCs in the setting material. And now we created um, these three additional characters. And then when we talked about your family, mm-hmm. because one of the op, one of the um, additional rules we put in for the setting is that you have to describe your house, mm-hmm. like what house you come yep. from because you are nobility. I am nobility. Um, and it had like a little thing, like you pick two good things, one bad thing about your house. So I believe you, um, I think you're known for your vineyards, yep. right? Um, you are, um, you have a slightly elevated rank. Yes. And um, we have. I believe you are. An enemy. And you have an enemy, <laughs> right? So that enemy, so now that enemy immediately spawned up um, 
a new NPC because I was like, it's cool that you have an enemy because it's another it's house. It's a whole other house, but, yeah. But I need a face to put upon that yes. house. So we did. And then I immediately linked that enemy to um, the the big bad at Kronos, the, um, the director of acquisitions. Um, so I linked her to, I linked that character to, um, to the Kronos, um, executive to make that even more, um, fraught, mm-hmm. right. Enemy of enemy and enemy, um, paired up. That's bad. Uh, and then lastly, I was like, we talked about like, are you married or not? Um, because, Seven years ago, this was traditional France before Kronos busted in, um, and we decided you weren't. So I was like, "Well, that's perfectly fine. Um, you don't have a you don't have a spouse, but that means that um, your father is like de facto like the you know head of the family kind of thing." Um, and again, that's like the leftover patriarchy, which is like slowly being shed as Kronos arrives, yeah, but still Kronos like, has only been here for like seven years. Yeah. Like not all of that has um, converted over. So you are very much an independent woman and you are, you know, part of the court and doing your thing, which is perfectly, um, perfectly fine and acceptable. Um, but your family was established through this patriarchal line and like remains um, partially like that. Um, but that gave us the chance to create your mother, your father and a sibling. Yeah, my- brother i think yeah yeah and and there is sort of an interesting thing right because paris is this this mecca of um progressive ideas and technology but i think we also did discuss just in a very general way that as you get farther away from the city centers um less of that has you know there's varying amounts that have filtered out right Exactly. Yeah. That, that when you get into the, um, when you get into like deep into the country, Mm -hmm. um, it is still very provincial. Um, so that is, and, and that is when we were talking about, um, the seeker, that was the environment she was going to come from. She was going to be from the country coming into Paris. So she was going to be like, I think what we had talked about was she was going to have been in trouble a few times for being queer. And then all of a sudden Kronos arrives and Paris is now like queer accepting. And so she like, um, I think like flees the nunnery that her parents shoved Exactly. Her in. Yes. That was exactly right, what to, the story that we were talking about. Yeah. To make her way to Paris yeah. kind of thing. And that again would have totally worked for the setting and for that playbook, but ultimately was not the, um, was not the story you wanted to actually uh, explore centrally. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So that's like, that was the, the bulk of our session zero was that with a real emphasis on coming up with those three other characters, we came up with some details. We linked them, um, into like kind of the fabric of the story. We figured out where your character kind of fit. Um, and now that session zero is done, I have, I have the major players from the setting. I have these three characters um, and I have like some, I have the minor characters, which we haven't even like fully detailed up, which includes um, your family and this enemy. And um, I got a lot, like I got a lot to start with stuff. Like, cause we did also detail out why our families are enemies, like generational enemies and that sort of thing. So like there's this person who ends up being the point person for it in this particular generation um, but like, you know, 
two generations yes, ago something you. happened and it's all you know now it's all like who even knows which family did the bad thing because they've just been fighting for so long like she's super attractive yeah you know right like it'll be great disaster pan yes a disaster pan <laughs> a disaster pan on the move um so yeah, we had all that put together and then I was just thinking of, there was just one more thing. It was, oh, I know there was one last discussion we had after our session zero. Um, we talked about frequency of session. Yes. And length. Yeah. Length, length and frequency mm-hmm. of session. So the thing that we suspect is that uh, two things. One, I think we suspect cause we've tried it before that we don't really need to play four hours at a time if we're playing one-on-one spotlight time is you're going to get more spotlight time in a i get the spotlight it's all you (laughs) yeah you're going to get more spotlight time in two hours of play than you're going to get um in four hours if in a group of four so i think what we said was let's shoot for 90 minutes to two hours of Mm -hmm. play and um from a gming side the thing i don't know yet um, and I kind of need to see, which is why I want to use this um, existing um, this existing adventure we wrote because we wrote it for a four hour um, we wrote it for a, we wrote it for a four hour play test. I want to see how fast you move through this material. Yeah. Again, with only one of you, will you move very quickly through the storyline, or because it's you? <laughs> Um, and you're going to want to talk to everybody and everything um, along the way, will we actually go slower? Because there's not a pressure to take the spotlight off of you and put it onto other people who may um, push the plot at different speeds. Yeah. I, don't I don't know, know yet either. Right? Yeah, it'll, it's going to be interesting. So what, we, right, so what we said we would do, which I think is actually interesting because I don't do this with my other groups, is I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write an adventure. Um, in the beginning... For sure, while these are, they'll be more structured, there'll be missions, right? In the beginning, the queen will tell you, I need this thing done. Please go mm-hmm. do it. Later, we may drift away from that as you're like, as we generate enough stuff and you're like, this is what I'm doing yeah. next. And I'll be like, cool, that's what we're doing, right? But in the beginning, and I actually like this for a lot of games where there's a mission giver when people don't really know um, how and what they want to do yet. Um, I like having the mission giver like just kind of set the initial beat of the game so that the game has that in the queen but what i said is i'm gonna write a mission and then we're gonna play weekly until we finish the mission then we're gonna take a week off so that i can write another mission and then after that week off we'll pick it up again and we'll play as many sessions as we need to to weekly until we finish that um until we finish that story so essentially we're playing weekly with a one week break between missions. Yes. And, and the idea is that we really don't know how fast we're going to go through the material. We assume we're going to go 90 minutes to two hours. We have the option just to keep going. If we really get into right. it, we have the option of ending early if something right. comes up, but we're going to shoot for that 90 to 120 minutes and we'll just play weekly. And eventually within a few, um, Within a few uh, stories, I should have a pretty good feel for how much story um, takes how much time. And essentially, we'll play, we'll just keep going with that, which will be weekly with a week off for me to, to do some, like, to write the next the next episode. Yeah. 
which I think is kind of neat. I've never done that yeah. before. I've I've always done like every two weeks or whatever. But I, I really like this idea that like, hey, we just play till we exhaust the story. Like the we exhaust the mission. Well, and then I'll stop and. It's write also a new interesting from the perspective of like we have an anticipated amount of time that we expect to play per session, but like it could also fluctuate, and that's fine. And we have a lot of flexibility around that. Yeah, we have a lot of flexibility because we're talking about only having to schedule for the two yeah. of us. And that um, is also not a thing I've had before. Like, we we really have the ability to turn around and be like, oh, I can't play this Saturday evening. You want to just play on Wednesday? Right. And be like, yeah, sure, no problem. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a good chance we won't miss a lot of um, sessions because of that. Like, we'll just be able to just um, flex when we need to or not flex when we need to. Like, that's the other part of it. Um. So anyway... Uh, that I'm just looking at the yep, clock. We, we are right at where, we're right where <laughs> we should be. Yeah, which is perfect. We landed right where we're supposed to be. We discussed the session uh, zero um, and kind of covered all the highlights and what came out of it um, and talked about some of those challenges for the one-on-one game. Yeah. So cool. hopefully that helps any of you out there who are also considering a one-on-one game, um, whether it's over the holidays um, to get you through while your group can't play or just in general, because there are cool people to play with in the world. In, yeah, absolutely. Indeed. We're doing it. Try it yeah. out. Try it out. This is, I mean, look, in, in look, there's a lot of advice that when we give GMing advice, um, we give it with pretty good um, experience slash authority. Um, in this case, we are not. Yeah, we're just... <laughs> in, this, in this case, we've actually not done this a lot, and we are figuring it out yeah, as we go. So we can tell you what we're doing, and then later we'll tell you if it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, th- this is a very, this is different for us in that um, we're not approaching this as in we are experts in this. Um, like we are not like we are just figuring it out. Um, you know, if we get stuck, we may turn to some of our um, some of our friends in the industry who've done some more on one on one gaming. Um, I'm thinking the one on one podcast, like those kinds yeah, of things. Jeff Stormer, but, good but, guy. Yeah, great guy. Um, but we're just we're going to try it um, because we can and because gaming can be fun and experimental. It doesn't have to be perfect. It can be um, experimental and messy. Sometimes we can fix a thing and rev- back up and keep going kind of stuff. So we'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, I think what's really interesting about this just as a, a last parting shot and then we will wrap this puppy up um, is that I played quite a few one shots that I was one on one with people, but I've never played a campaign before. And I think that's, what's been really different about approaching this. Um, so yeah, it's going to be really cool. Awesome. All right. Tell me about another show on the Mr. Mark network and then we'll, Oh no, (laughs) I forgot to bring up the sheet. So I'm just going to tell you about, uh, the gnome cast, uh, where we sit down with a group of gnomes weekly to talk about sometimes an article, sometimes just a topic, sometimes a cool interview with somebody in the industry, um, maybe doing a review of something. They're good shows. They're a lot shorter than this show, unless I'm on them um, or you're on them. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, you should you should check them out. And hopefully, hopefully that blurb was good enough to keep me out of the stew, but I don't know. I'll put in a good Thanks. word for you. Oh, cool. All right. Say Senda. 
where do people find us on the Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. Or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. Or you can send us something on the Tiki Talkies if you can find us. Have fun. (laughs) Cool. Cool, cool. There's... What else? What? Oh, what when? Jeez. Um, yeah, we'll talk about this in the after show. I had my booster shot the other day. Not completely back yet. Um, so what do we yeah, do? Yeah, what do we do with that information yeah, send, us, yeah. <laughs> send us your questions. Send us uh, any ideas, things you'd like to us to talk about, all of those kinds of things. Um, the goal of this show is to help you run uh, more better games. That will make um, running games more enjoyable for you, which means you will run more games, which means you will stay in this hobby and continue to have a good time. That is ultimately our goal, is to make sure that you are having a good time in this, in this hobby by providing you answers for questions you might have, tips to make your games better and things like that. So send them our way. Whatever you got, We'll take it. We'll make a show out of it. We'll get it back and we'll give you some, some of the, you know, whatever advice we can come up with. We're pretty, honestly, we're pretty good at coming up with advice. So I'm pretty sure we can help you out. On the topic of helping out, if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Mr. Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to the Bamboo Lounge, the bonus out, uh, the Bamboo Lounge, the after show for Mr. Mark, and access to our awesome Slack Room for Life. Can't say enough about the Slack Room for Life. Boy, if you want to meet some people who can really cook, <laughs> uh, enjoy a good Star Wars or Star Trek joke, uh, and um, you want to just, you know, hear Bob grumble about, you know, things because he's old. Seriously. Um, and honestly, why? And not, why Get wouldn't off you? my lawn! Um, <laughs> very much so. Um, come join us in the Slack community. Um, you can even jump into our Friday luncheons on, on, um, that, we, that we run on Zoom. Um, every Friday, um, you can just, you know, we invite the Slack members of the Slack community to come join. We have some regulars. Every now and then we get somebody who comes in that's new. It's always exciting. Like, I'm always excited when, like, like I love seeing all our regulars. But when, like, a new name appears on the Zoom, I'm like, ooh, like, who's here? <laughs> like, because it's great. I mean, right now, look, we're not doing cons, right? A number of us aren't doing cons right now. So this is, like, a great way to kind of actually see people face-to-face makes me think that what we should do as a 2022 new year's resolution is invite our slack community to some evening zooms oh yeah to offer some different times just yeah just like have an evening zoom where like hey i'm sitting around like eating a snack drinking a cup of tea like you want to come hang out yeah kind of thing interesting yeah. anyway cool. we'll ponder we'll ponder over a break okay that's patreon um if you can We'd appreciate your support. If you can't, we totally understand. Don't worry. There's another thing you can do, which is just tell people about us. It helps. I can't even tell you how much it helps us. I see at least once a week somebody on Twitter asking for tips on podcasts. If you're so inclined and drop our name, we would appreciate it greatly. Um, And, you know, tell your fellow gamers in your group, people you hang out with, if you're at a con, whatever. Like, just, you know, help spread the word. There's another thing you can do. That just, um, I, I used to say it's soulless. It is still soulless. But there's a thing you can do that's less personal. Um, it's still important because it does help the algorithms that generate lists of podcasts and suggestions for podcasts for people. Like th- like these things, um, this thing that Senda's going to tell you, helps that process. 
that will indirectly also help us as well. What's the thing? Well, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, As Phil said, new reviews that we get really do actually help us with the algorithm, but they also, also make us feel very warm and fuzzy on the inside. It is because the holiday season. You leave a podcaster a gift. Write them a review. Whether it's us or someone else, um, all podcasters love reviews. Um, if you want to know what to get your favorite podcaster for the holiday season, get them a review. They will love you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the story there. Cool, cool. Um, say Senda. Uh, what did you enjoy more? Sponge candy or bison dip? This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Okay. Hello. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? (laughs) I can see it in your waveforms as they go rolling by. I wonder why. I don't know. It's supposed to be Lionel Richie, but I've forgotten all the words. (laughs) I was going to say, remember like three years ago when we did a bunch of Christmas carols as waveform songs? And when we say we, I mean I. You. (laughs) <laughs> yes waveforms ringing are you listening, listening? in the podcast in the studio yeah in the podcast microphones glistening i'm really jamming some larger yeah. margin into spots it's all good beautiful sound we're recording tonight walking in the waveform wonderland i feel like we i feel like Amid whatever controversy this causes by my next statement, and I'll just stand oh, by it. Okay, I'm. Scared I feel now. like I feel like one day we could do a like um a like the um baby it's cold outside, but just do it to like a role playing thing. <laughs> like I really need to go, but just one more encounter. One more. One more. <laughs> <sighs> I got to go. Just another like just another check. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I'm amusing myself. I love Christmas time. <laughs> oh man, we have to start a show. This is like just yeah, nonsense. It's getting like junked the into show. the. F- oh, this is yeah. Yeah, this is just stuff that's going to get junked into the back of the show. Okay, cool. we should go start the show. Yeah, we should. Okay. Bloop. And welcome to another fine gives. <laughs> We're just going to do that again. <laughs> yes, we are. I don't even know what was happening there.